Now, when I look back on the memories of Christmas Eve and Christmas's past, particularly the memories of a childhood Christmas, I always remember Christmas Eve more than Christmas Day. Perhaps it was the sense of, a, of the buildup of the expectation of what was to come the next day. Maybe it was the sense of excitement that it was almost here. And that was certainly the case in our household. Christmas Eve, as we finally tip over into Christmas Day, was a very special time. I remember vividly one Christmas Eve that we had a very terrible snowstorm and my mom was determined we were going to go to church. I remember coming down Route 45, my dad was sliding all over the place and we couldn't make it down to our own church here in Wellsville and so we just pulled over at Yellow Creek Presbyterian Church and we had Christmas Eve there because it was important. And so at this moment tonight, I hope that you sense the importance of what we're talking about. At this moment, we're on the cusp of expectation and then celebration. We're talking about darkness and light, and, and for those who have been waiting, whether it is a child waiting for what comes next for those presents, maybe it's the faithful servant for their Savior, the time of waiting has come to an end. You know, 700 years before Christ's birth, there was a spirit, a spirit of longing, of waiting on God to step into this world, to intervene on behalf of his people. And it is this that we celebrate in this holy night, the birth of Jesus, the birth of our Savior, the birth of God's Son. You can only imagine what it would have been like to be there on that holy night. It was a simple night. Most didn't even know what was going on. In church, when you really think about it, that night it was emotional. The night was quiet. I'm sure that the scene was surreal. The Bible says the cattle were lowing, whatever lowing means, I'm not sure. Mary was pregnant to the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, it says this, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Everyone went to their own town to register, and everyone went there to do so. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, Bethlehem to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. You know, one of my favorite Christmas carols is, Oh, Holy Night. I don't know if you know that song or not, but there's a phrase Tonight that I want to zero in on, the song says this, there is a thrill of hope in a weary world rejoices. And it goes on to say this, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morning. I believe that most of us can agree that in these times that we live in, we do live in a weary world. 
The world can be so overwhelming, so much anxiety, the economy, relationships are messed up. Seems like every third person has some kind of sickness and families are struggling. It's like we're fighting to stay above water and so many of us can relate to that phrase right there, the weary world. But church, I want to tell you tonight, I love what the song says next. It says that there is a thrill of hope. The thrill of hope. Imagine in the chaos of this holy night that there was a thrill of hope. And maybe, just maybe, that those who were putting their faith in God for centuries, they had hope that the one Messiah would be born. And one day, everything would be different forever and ever. You can kind of, you can have that faith if you want to. You can hear that kind of faith that there was a thrill of hope. And then suddenly, what does the world do? The song goes on to say this, the weary world rejoices. The weary world rejoices. I pray tonight, for anyone who's sitting here tonight, for anyone that can hear my voice, that if there is any weary in you, my hope is for this, that you can experience the thrill of hope, of understanding what God is doing and how God is working. See, in the Old Testament, the year is 856 B.C., over 800 years before Jesus Christ was born, Jerusalem had fallen and the people were distraught, and Jeremiah the weeping prophet, as he's called, he was struggling. In Lamentations chapter 3, verse 20, he says this, I will remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Then he goes on to say in verse 21, he says this, Yet this I will call to mind, and therefore I have hope. And he goes on to say in 22 and 23, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his passions never fail. There are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. How many of you this evening need a new day? I'm talking about a new day with Christ. And I believe that we all need that. And then to wrap up what Jeremiah says in Lamentations, he says this in verse 24, and I will say to myself, the Lord is my portion and therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is my portion. Israelites wandering in the desert. When they were wandering in the desert, God would give them their daily portion of food. He would give them what they needed for that day. They would wake up and the food would be there. He would give them what they needed at the time that they needed it. You know, when I think back to all the Christmases past, a lot of times at Christmas, we don't always get what we want, but a lot of times we get what we need. I remember as a child opening presents and just so excited we would come out into the living room and we were that family that, you know, we were ready to get up at 3 a.m. And we'd be yelling into my parents, can we get up yet? And they would, no, you can't. They made us wait till 5. I remember running out into the living room and see all the presents. And when you got five kids in a family, it looks like a lot. 
and you would be so excited, but there was always those one gifts that you would open. And I don't know about you, but I remember getting socks and underwear every year. (laughs) And that's not what I wanted. But you know what, church? My parents realized that's what I needed. Church, do you realize we need a Savior? Do you realize that we need a Savior and we celebrate his birth this evening? And many of us, you know, we're thinking about tomorrow, all the kids that are sitting here, they're anxiously awaiting for what comes next. Maybe it's the presents that they will be getting, what family will be around. Maybe some of you tonight, you're even thinking about what family won't be around. We think about our loved ones. Maybe are they going to like what we got them? Maybe we're struggling. Maybe tonight you're sitting here and you're thinking what tomorrow is going to bring for your health. But here's the good news. Church, God is already in tomorrow. And his strength will sustain us. Do you realize if you're depressed today that God can be your joy tomorrow? Do you realize if you are weak today that God is already in tomorrow and he will be your strength? See, when Jesus came, he was the gift. And it was exactly what we needed. You know, tomorrow changed everything. When Jesus came, he was that gift that was needed. And I don't know if you realize this or not. See, a lot of times, you always wait for that one person in your life who's very generous. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe it was an aunt, an uncle, grandparent, whatever it is. You couldn't wait till they got to your house because you knew they were very generous with what they were going to bring you. And so you anxiously awaited them. But think about this. I want you to think about how generous our Heavenly Father was with the gift of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about crazy generous. The fact that our sins would be forgiven, the fact that we could be made brand new when we received His Son. So, recognizing that Jesus always brings exactly what you need. And what you need is the presence of God. You need his reality. You need his power. You need his goodness. You need his portion. And so therefore, we wait for him. A new day with Christ brings us the hope to keep going. It's the thrill of hope, the faith, when all we see is darkness. It is the belief that there is a new morning coming in the middle of the chaos. And I love what it says in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 25. He says this, The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. See, the Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, and he's what we need. Do you realize that you can live 40 days without food? Do you realize that you can live eight days or so without water? And you can even live four 
minutes or so without oxygen. But I want you to realize we can only live a few seconds without hope. And too many of us are putting our hope in the wrong places. See, when you put your hope in the wrong place, we start to end up hopeless. And then you fall into that category of the weary world that wonders. It's constantly wondering where anything is good, where anything will ever work out. It's because of this, church, our hope is in the wrong place. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says this, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. So tonight I want to encourage you. I want everyone here to not lose hope. I want to encourage you tonight to hold on to the hope that we profess. And so tonight what I want is for you to be excited. Don't let your excitement come from the presents that you're going to receive. Don't let the excitement come from the food that you're going to eat tonight and tomorrow. Don't let your excitement just come from the people that you're going to share it with. I want you tonight to be excited for what we celebrate this evening, and it's the coming of Jesus Christ. Church, it's the thrill of hope. See, Jesus is the real thing. You know, when, when the announcement of a baby comes to a family, it never seems real. But when you look at that baby, when you hold that baby, when you gaze at that baby, then it becomes very real to us. A baby will make you think differently. It makes you look at things differently. And when you look at a baby, you should see hope. It makes things look better because you're looking at a brand new beginning. Tonight I want this baby that we're celebrating, Jesus Christ, to be real to you. I want him to be very real to you, not just something that you hear about at church, not just something that you hear a little bit about during Christmas. I, I want for you tonight, I want him to be real to you. Because it's like this, he needs to be real to you. He needs to be very real. So on this holy night, this night that we are celebrating, a night to be lifted up, I want you to contemplate this. Do you realize that Jesus came to change the world for generations? Not just on that night for those who were exposed to him. Not just those who witnessed his life while he walked this earth. Jesus came to change the world for generations. And do you realize this happened thousands of years ago? And look, we are still here remembering it and honoring it. You know, I know the kids are excited tonight. One of the things, my favorite things about Christmas Eve is you just hear all the little chitter chat of the kids who are sitting there saying, how much longer is that guy going to talk? But I want you to know, I told you Jesus Christ came to change generations. But you also have an opportunity tonight. You have an opportunity 
to change generations through what you teach your children. To change generations, people need to be educated. And I want you all to know tonight, you actually have that power. You teach your kids what this night is truly about. Tomorrow you're going to wake up and, man, kids are Christmas crazy. I witnessed it at church today. They're all excited. They're all pumped up about it, and that's okay. But I want you to realize you literally have the power to change the world for generations. For generations. We're talking hundreds of years, thousands of years. Until Jesus comes back, you have the power to do that by what you teach your children about what this night actually means. It's not necessarily about the presence, about the lights, about the trees. And we put so much emphasis on that, but yet it's truly about the birth of the Savior who came to save each and every one of us. Church, it's about the King. And tonight that is what we celebrate. So I want to encourage all of you with children, tomorrow before you start tearing into presents, for those of you who let your kids get up at 3 a.m., you're going to be tired, but I want to encourage you to do this. You take time, and you pray with them. You explain to them it's not all about them. It's not all about what they want or what they're going to get. But it's all about a hope for a weary world. And when they have that hope, church, we rejoice. And so parents tonight, grandparents, anybody has any influence over your children, I want to make sure that you do that. You pray with them. You tell them what it's really about. And you show them. It's about the one that brought light into the darkness. So as we get ready to close this service out tonight. I'm going to ask Judy if she'll come up here to the piano tonight. And, and we're going to be singing that song, Silent Night. But I want you to think about the light. Each and every one of you have a candle. I'm going to light these candles, and it's exciting. It's neat. But I want you to think about the light that chases away darkness. And that light is Jesus Christ. He will change us. He can chase that darkness away. He can change everything for you in your life. But it comes down to you accepting him. So tonight I'm going to ask you all if you'll stand with me. And as Judy gets ready to play the song Silent Night for us, we're going to light our candles and I will pass it along and you pass it to the person next to you. And as we sing this song, Focus on what it is that Jesus Christ has done for you in your life.